to Daryl City Cash Chicago. We're coming up on the end of another week and actually another month. So I brought in some key voices to help me break down some stories from the week. The co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Ergo Radio, are in the building. It's Friday, May 27th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. I had a cup of coffee and one and a half chocolate chip cookies is what I had for breakfast (laughs) this morning. And I should have known since I had a recording that I was doing today that I was probably going to get asked that question and I should have had a more wholesome breakfast. But, you know, that these are my confessions. What can I say? My answer is always water at mm-hmm. this point in the day. So is this like a like an intention, like an intermittent fasting or just a commitment to hydration? Uh, it's a commitment to hydration and poor monitoring. It's my answer is always like I'm nervous before interviews, but I have interviews every day. So I don't so it's not a good excuse to keep going to at this point. Yeah, you do have one of those gigs where like you're gonna have to work through that, gotta, my friend. I gotta develop a new habit. <laughs> I'm here with Damon Williams and Daniel Kisslinger, aka Damon Kiss, the co-hosts of Ergo Radio. Welcome to CityCast, fellas. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you us. for having us. I, I appreciate being here. This is this is great. Dave, I'm going to start with you. What is Ergo, and is there an episode for you that really captures the mission of the podcast? So Ergo is is movement media. At the center of that is, is movements against carceral violence, environmental justice, um, gender-based and patriarchal violence, uh, but also rooted in culture and art and creativity and performance. Um, so really the intersection of like, the grassroots political work and independent artistry and how those things kind of collide in terms of creating a new world. And then an episode, that's really tough, but you know, I think kind of at the top of the list, the, the crown jewel or, or what felt like such a culminating achievement and capstone moment was being able to talk to Angela Davis in length and in detail. And Angela mm-hmm. Davis has just been not only so significant to our movement, to our work, but personally to my consciousness and like my study of the world and understanding where I'm placed. So, so that really meant a lot. Kiss, is, is there an episode for you that really you thought to yourself like this, this is what we set out to do? So in the midst of Uprising, we put together this abolition suite about what do we mean when we talk about uh, policing and prison abolition? What does that look like? What are the misconceptions and how do we build movement toward it? Um, and so the first episode of the suite was with uh, Miriam Kaba and mm-hmm. one, it was just a great conversation and super helpful, I think, for us and for listeners, but to see it live in different places. So this is a conversation that one got transcribed into her book, We Do This Till We Free Us. Um, but it's also something that got kind of um it got reshared and rebroadcast through a bunch of different places, including uh, a prison radio station. So it was able to reach people in Canada who were incarcerated. But because it had this impact beyond things that we could have expected, it felt like we were contributing to the movement that we were working to document. And that's what we're always trying to do. Oh, man. One of the episodes I just had to give y'all some love for uh, was, I'm going into crates a little bit, was with Jay Bambi and Green Slime, the live (laughs) show y'all did. Uh, But one of the things I think about with that episode is because it came out in 2019, and Dame, you was talking, well, both of y'all was talking a lot about how y'all don't go outside, how (laughs) y'all will buy tickets and y'all will never go outside. I just like thinking of us as, you know, that's one more space where we're visionaries, right? Is that we were were saying, oh, I'll try to make it, and then not showing 
before that was even a thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, man. I'm dealing with some injury and like couldn't go outside, mm-hmm. so now like it's forced upon me. Like people, <laughs> people are new to these not going outside streets, and like I'm finding deeper and deeper depths. Uh, so now, now I, you know, I, I'm making light of it. I, I had a concussion, um, so now not only am I not going outside, I have a sheet hammered uh, over my window to keep because you keep, can't do the light keep the lightness out so now man. i'm inside in the dark so jesus man <laughs> there's we may have reached a limit they've, here they've know? adopted the dark i was molded in it <laughs> hey we talk about me needing better eating habits you need to get some vitamin d regimens yeah, going man. or something it's, it's not good <laughs> So, Kiss, I'm going to get a mic to you. What was a story that you were following this week that, you know, you, you just couldn't turn away from? So it's it's been a, a hell of a week. Um, <laughs> to, I'm gonna to say stay, the least, right? I'm going to stay Chicago-specific. Um, the attention to and passing and codification of this uh, curfew um, yeah. has been something that, one, just in, like, this week feels very disheartening, um, but... It's something that, you know, I'm not from Chicago, I'm from New York, and it was something that when I moved here, people just like kind of matter-of-factly said like, oh yeah, there's a curfew for, you know, teenagers. People just kind of seemed like that was commonplace, Mm -hmm. and that blew my mind. The rollout of this has really been infuriating from like, uh, like each point, like first... I was not aware, having grown up here, you know, I'm, I'm 30 years in, never once knew there was 11 p.m. curfew for 16 and under. So when the mayor initially announces the curfew, it's very confusing. If it's weekend, if it's weekday, there's very vague enforcement. Um, and so when the city council voted earlier this week, 30 to 19 to move the curfew officially uh, to 10 p.m. for everyone 17 and under, um, like you, it was one of those moments where I'm like, these are the things in Chicago that we have come to been taught to just accept because the way this gives police even more authority than they already got to stop us whenever they feel like it. And so I think it creates a like a, a wide number of like problems for the city. Uh, Dame, what have you been hearing from folks um, as the curfew has been rolled out? I mean, you know, that it's that it's ridiculous that it's a, a continuation of this antagonistic relationship that our city government has had with the communities of Chicago, especially young black people. Um and, and that is just being expanded by you know, by, by our current mayor. And so the 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 notion that, you know, criminalization is going to create any more safety, there's just a deep offense because there has been this explicit aversion to the investments that we know actually contribute to to healthy communities and you know creating more safe outcomes so it's it's it just all converges to this anti-youth anti-communal pro-corporate structure that creates the violence that then they want to propagate mm-hmm. political points off of right yeah. of, of that now pretending to be tough on crime and to be able to you know um appease these mostly white like affluent constituencies Mm -hmm. that are demanding you know a a, a violent disciplining of Chicago's black population but it's just it's so offensive because 
folks have done so much work to name what we need. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and, and the way that officials have co-opted the language from young organizers to the point where they will they will talk openly mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. the structural problems like poverty and, and houselessness and black and br brown um, criminalization and white supremacy. And then they'll be like, okay, so how are we gonna solve this? It was like, police. No, 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 you just said all these other things that, that contribute to the problem, how are we gonna fix it? They said, I just told you police and so the these are these are long-standing um consequences that we're gonna have to live with um dan what was a story that you were following this week uh that you want to make sure that people are focused on so as we have this tra this tragedy in texas just the what about chicago and so to see the governor of texas you know, within 24 hours of addressing the, you know, the tragedy of, of those beautiful young people, um, to see him evoke Chicago in that way, but then to come back and then see Lori do the, the political performance of we're doing the work, uh, mm -hmm. and like use this as a point to, to look like this liberal darling is just like the, you can't win for losing. Earlier this week, I'm sure not many people have, have missed the story, but 19 children Two teachers were killed by an AR-15 military-style weapon at an elementary school in Texas. And as you said, at the press conference, the governor decided that, you know what, M more people are shot on the weekends in Chicago than in our schools. And at this moment where we're all trying to, to process, to mourn, to, to, to consider what had just happened, the first thing that the governor and other conservatives was like, no, nah, look at black folks in Chicago. That's what you should be thinking about right now. Look, because that's what they mean. When they say yeah. Chicago, they talking about black Chicago exactly. specifically. And so time and time again, you have this this idea of Chicago as this scapegoat. And then, like you said, and then our our mayor goes out on like national television to, to say, no, I'm standing up for Chicago. But again, the policies that you are instituting are, are curfews and casinos in former neighborhoods of, of public housing communities and 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 it's it's like I keep our name out of my mouth and she's saying the same thing and I'm like but I don't agree with you <laughs> at all. We're saying the same thing, G. But like let me I'm gonna take the one on this. You you be quiet. You're not with it. You're not right. <laughs> you know we can talk about the like Republican lobby and the NRA and the the you know the police unions as driving that diver diversion, really abusive gaslighting tactic. But really, we got to bring, um, uh, you know, established corporate Chicago media. So every time they run that story of, of violence on Memorial Day or the 4th of July. Right, the death tolls are coming out next week post-Memorial Day. We're like, going to get them. And talking about human life like it's a, like it's the sports section, you know, and and in these like percentage based numbers of we're ten percent up, ten percent down, like it's you know a stock market ticker. Uh, it, it actually creates that consciousness for the rest of the world. And so, why do so many people, uh, when they first hear Chicago, think it's violent, think you can't walk anywhere without being shot? It's not because of Chief Keith. Kiss, I'm gonna kick it back to you in a, in a week with such big, heavy news. Was there any story you wanted to shine some light on, make sure people didn't uh, miss it this week? So this convergence of a new coalition fighting against this idea of pollution sacrifice zones. Um, so the idea of a sacrifice zone is the way that the city gets zoned is that there are certain regions that they say, all right, 
we're basically just going to fuck up the water, land, and air in that area. The reason why those things are getting messed up is because of industry. What does industry need? Industry needs workers. Workers end up living in these sacrifice zones. And even when the industry leaves, the impact of those zones remains on the people who live there. So that's Little Village or the southeast side or parts of the west side where industry has been focused. Um, But this is a citywide fight. And this coalition uh, is pushing the mayor to follow up on a promise that she actually made. Um, And that promise was to pass a cumulative impact ordinance uh, across the city in terms of what these sacrifice zones mean for the people who live there. You know, we live in this industrial hub and we have so much romance around what does it mean to be this like city of broad shoulders where things get built and things get done. Um, But really what that means is that people are left sacrificial. Cheryl Johnson, who's the daughter of Hazel Johnson, one of the, you know, godmothers of environmental justice work in Chicago. She said, we want equal environmental protection, just like any community in this city. And and you're right that it is a Chicago wide issue, but we have to listen to the people like Gina Ramirez on the Southeast side and and folks living in Little Village and Pilsen who are breathing in the worst air in this city, places like back of the yards, because they already feel sacrificed. So, you know, not only is there this fight that's happened now, you know, in the past few months, the fight to stop General Iron was really historic of um, getting, you know, city protections to actually stop industrial waste and harm. That 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 doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that these wins have accumulated over, you know, the past few years, the past few decades, there's so much hope that can be garnered yeah. from looking at the discipline and the communal, you know, legacies of... One, just standing up and saying we're not going to take it. But two, this deeper level of inquiry of like, what do our people need? How do we take care of each other? Every episode, every week, we lead the folks with some good news <laughs> <Love it. laughs> to get them through the weekend. That can, can you hit a- that one more time? Yeah, you got some pipes, <laughs> my friend. Been- some good news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Through the weekend. That could be some personal joy. It could be some joy in your your in the show or a good news story that you saw in the city. Kiss, I'm gonna start with you. What was a what was some good news you want to lead a city cast listeners with today? This is such a like feels like such a silly basic one, but I live in the 33rd ward, at least for the time being. But while I'm in the 33rd, I was happy to see some good news up here. Uh, Roosevelt High, High School is getting a bunch of TIF funds for a new soccer field, um, which I know it's like, it doesn't feel like a big story, um, but it got me thinking back about TIF funds, a way that that gets used and abused to move resources into private projects like Lincoln Yards, all kinds of these things like that. And so it just kind of warmed my heart you know, as someone who drives past this high school and I see the field and it gets, you know, muddy and rained on and people can't play. And there's such a need right now for people to be able to be outside safely um, to just see like, oh, this is why I am happy. Like if this is where my tax dollars went, mm-hmm. like, all right, like I want young people to have a field to play on as someone who grew up in a city where I had no home field to play sports. And that's my little, uh, my little sprinkle of positivity no i love the balance because last week we were literally talking about morgan park not getting the funds necessary for a new baseball field so it's good to see that in some cases schools are getting the resources they need um dan what's some good news you want to get to people 
Pilsen Community Books. I want, I want to shout them out. Uh, for, for... <laughs> I had a feeling this was going to be you, G. When I saw it this week, I was like, I feel like one of them finna mention this yeah. one later. I'm so yeah. happy for it. L- literature and anti-policing, like, <laughs> being that it's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. So, uh, uh, you know, the Pilsen Community Bookstore decided that, you know, they don't want to serve police anymore. And that just mm-hmm. feels so heartwarming because, you know, just grew up on so many stories of, like, free donut with Mm -hmm. your service pre-pedicure if you say hi thank you and so you know these little shifts you see the black lives matter signs in the window of so many businesses as a way to like virtue signal being down and like they might actually be down uh but like that language can mean whatever or just mean don't look at me as a bad person like Mm -hmm. come here and shop here this is like a marketing tool um uh but then to see an abolitionist policy like that be out in the public feels like a heartwarming success story of our movement taking effect right it's like so often it's like what was the policy um what what was the new law that came into effect based off your your activism or your organizing yeah shout out pilsen community bookstores if you're over that way or if you're mobile go support them buy a book and my good news is actually also uh, going to mention Pilsen Community Books. So if you can't get over to their store, there's another way to support them. And that's at the Southside Book Fair this Sunday uh, in back of the yards at the plant from 1 to 4 p.m. You can obviously get books from local stores like Haymarket, Pilsen Community Books, and 51st War Books in both English and Spanish. But you can also renew your library card and they got a tap room on site so you could drink beer. Uh, and the tap room is going to be donating 20% to liberation library which is a volunteer run led abolitionist org that sends books to young folks in illinois prisons and jails shout out so, to patina liberation yeah library. <laughs> we've been we've been talking a lot about books that we're looking forward to reading giving people book lists but if you want to actually get out and get to a local book fair there's one at the plant in back of the yards this sunday that's 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 what i spend the majority of books and gushers those are the things I spend all this adult money on. Books, should, mutual aid, and gushes. When we travel, you should see Damon like brings another suitcase just for books to bring back from whatever <laughs> bookstore we end up at. Like it's like a, just a, an extra carry on, you know. Damon Williams and Daniel Kislinger are the co-hosts of Ergo Radio. I appreciate y'all stopping by CityCast. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we appreciate being here. Before I let you go, our team noticed this week that Ergo isn't the only Chicago podcast across the 300 episode mark we did this week as well. And so I got to give mad love to the people who make the show every single day possible. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Simone Alisea, newsletter writer Sydney Madden, our amazing team of roving producers, the folks that make the music that you love listening to, like Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. And of course, my last thank you is for you. If this is your first episode of CityCast Chicago, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm newsletter. And remember, tell your friends and family about us. We're taking Monday off for Memorial Day, but we'll be back in your feed on Tuesday. Talk to you then. Peace. Oh yeah, I had a big savory serving of nothing. So <laughs> <laughs>